Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? It's going good, Amy. You know what I love? What? The hammer throw. Yeah, I've gotten several texts from you over the last week. Uh, we we have lots of Olympic. We, we've got group texts with friends and different people. I mean, we got a lot of friends who love the Olympics. number of your texts have been about the hammer throw. They have. They have. Absolutely. And and I told you why. It's fascinating to me because there's, there's a few reasons. Number one, the damage those things do to the lawn. Because, I mean, it's, it's one thing to throw a shot put. You know, they like to, you know, you, I guess you put a shot. You don't throw a shot put. You put a shot. Um, right. It lands and it kind of rolls a little bit. It makes a little thunk in the ground, you know, and then rolls. These hammer throw things, the hammers, they land and, boy, they, they land. They ain't moving. They stick in the ground and it's like they embed themselves. And it's just violent whenever they hit the ground. And I almost saw one take out a microphone the other day. I told you about that one. Just yes. barely barely missed the field mic and it was funny because the next day i watched it again that was the the prelims and i watched the finals the next day they had moved the mic away from the field a little bit (laughs) of course about two yards further back they were like yeah let's get that out of here because that that would do some damage to that thing had it hit it um but i mean they're throwing these things 70 meters and it's sticking in the ground with a thud and it's just amazing to watch and how they timed their release based on like where they are in their spins, you know, that it pretty it intense. Blows huh? mind. Also Poland, very good at that. Very yes. good at little dumplings, tasty little dumplings and the hammer throw. That's Poland. Well, you've been enjoying track and field. I, of course, I, I loved watching all the kind of finishing things of swimming, finishing up gymnastics with Simone Biles, getting a, a bronze medal and balance beam. That was really exciting to watch and just a great ending to that that story. I loved, and I think I told you this, how the women's gymnastics team, this was the first Olympics I can remember that there, that it ended up, kind of started this way, but usually you had one standout and then the rest of the team is kind of, they're almost like the supporting cast. And this year, it was like every woman on that team stepped up in some way, either the team stepping up, or Suni getting the all-around gold, Jade getting the floor gold, Michaela Skinner thinking that she's out and then getting a silver in vault, and then Simone Biles coming back and getting a medal in balance beam after everything that that had happened. It was just neat because you got to see all these women kind of excel in, in different ways. So that was that was cool, but... I loved, I loved all of that. I have a hard time watching track. I have to be honest because whenever they, like if somebody falls down or false starts, if they have, it's, yeah, I get, I get really emotional. There's zero margin for error. It's like you're over. Right. You're done. and then, and then I just know how crushing that's got to be. And I'll kind of tear up and I think I just can't. I can't take this. If something happens in swimming or diving, you don't really see their faces. You know, they're because they're in yeah. the pool. Like you don't see it oh, quite it's in the same way. Where agony, right? Because so what happens is you wind very... up being like all by yourself, and everybody else is gone. I mean, it's right. like the the British girl in the hurdles the other night. Like in the first heat of the four hundred meter hurdles, I think it was. She fell like she kind of like her foot lost its grip, and she fell into the first hurdle. 
didn't even clear it. She's a British champion. The hopes of the you know the whole UK, the Queen, everybody watching her, and she didn't even clear the first hurdle because she tripped and fell, and it was just oh, it was so bad. I felt so bad yeah. for her. And then one of the guys the other night in the two hundred pulled up with like a, a Achilles thing, and like he's just right. like on the track in agony, and he's hobbling across the line. Uh, it's just it that just, so there's something about mm. that that's very difficult for me that I can't always sometimes I have to turn it off I also really really enjoyed watching the climbing competition this year oh that was fun yeah, yeah. the guy from France so, won that I can't remember I, I can't he was remember. he was leading it's, after the prelims so yeah it's so funny when the Olympics are on how these sports that I mean if I'm flipping through the channels on a Saturday you would never watch climbing no or if there's an archery tournament going on I'm not going to stop it and watch archery no. But I'm just saying, like, there's nothing that makes me want to watch that unless it's the Olympics. So yeah. it's it's there's just something fun about it. Yeah, and you mentioned diving. Something I learned this week: fourteen year old Chinese girls don't make splashes in diving. Apparently, man, that those dives were incredible. I heard about it. I mean, to, wow! I, went, I had to go back and watch a video where they kind of clipped them together. She she's phenomenal. It was really, stunning. really phenomenal. It so was like, it's, did she hit the water at all? It was incredible. So Amazing. it's it, it's just fun. The Olympics are fun, and I like going back and checking out the clips of things that I missed. Super fun to watch um, to all the scenes in Tokyo and remind me of our missionaries there. So great, great time. It's about to end, um, and then we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait until the Winter Olympics come in uh, just six months. Short time, <laughs> yeah, not long. It's so. going to be like. Oh, six months later. Okay, cool. We have a little All right. It's kind of like what it was back, what it was like before they got off the cycle. You remember they used to be like yep. the same year. Right. Uh, I remember Calgary and you had Seoul. That's so in right. February you had that. And then in August you had the, the summer. All at the same time. That's right. And the Calgary Olympics were like the first winter Olympics I remember. Yeah. Um, and then the, the I, I kind of barely remember the 84 Olympics, uh, you know, the Los Angeles ones. But I the I remember the Summer Olympics in Seoul really well because that was the Ben Johnson Carl Lewis thing, uh, right. whenever he beat Carl Lewis and then got tested positive for uh, for doping, and um, boy Carl Lewis boy he went off the other night against the U.S. Uh, track and field group. But that's that's our different pod Olympics today uh, with Amy and Jonathan. There you uh, go. We should do that next. We should do that next time, Amy. It'll be in Paris, and it'll be a little bit ahead of time, so we could do like Olympic recaps at night and then talk. Sounds like fun. That would be a blast. We we have four years to plan it. All right, that's I'll let right, you that's figure right. out a sponsor for that. All right. Okay, I'll uh, see. What we Olympics can do. today with with Jonathan and Amy. That would that's be. Right. A, we would have so much fun with that. All right. Nobody's anyway, going to listen to that. We have no street cred there. Not but even my wife would listen to that. She doesn't listen that's to right. this. What am I talking? That's about? That's right. All right. Uh, so that's that's the Olympics. So let's uh, get to the real reason that we're here. SBC this week uh, instead of Olympics today. That'll be in four years. Paris, uh, twenty twenty four. So. Uh, before we jump into the news this week, we got some good news this week. Uh, some CP news, Amy, and a couple of big gifts to the IMB. But before yeah. we get to that, let's talk about Southwestern Seminary, our sponsor each and every week here on the podcast. This summer, Southwestern Seminary announced a new name and vision for their undergraduate college. Scarborough College is now Texas Baptist College. Texas Baptist College exists to glorify God by providing trustworthy Christian higher education for more faithful kingdom service. Wherever God calls you, you can get the Christ-centered, scripture-driven, and student-focused education you need at Texas Baptist College. You can find out more at texasbaptist.com. That's texasbaptist.com. 
So uh, good friends over at Southwestern, uh, that new rebrand and everything, uh, announced it right before the annual meeting this year, Amy. And uh, we're going to stay in the Metroplex for our first story this week. Prestonwood had a $1 million gift last week to the IMB for work among Muslim people groups. Yes, I saw this buzzing around social media big on, news last week. on Sunday. Really big deal. So there was a big hey, check. They should have had a big check. They just gave a little check. They should have had I a know. big check. A happy Gilmore check. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at the picture. It would have been really, really cool to, to have probably, that. Paul couldn't get that in his overhead bin you right. know, to get back to Richmond. That's probably right. what it was. So it's uh, it, there was a big presentation. So Jack Graham presented Paul Chitwood a check for $1 million. I'm going to guess that unlike the three-cent check that we that they we talked about last yeah. week, I don't think they're going to frame it. Nope. I think they probably, I think there probably is a canceled check that has come through. Um, that so thing Paul, was, was deposited before they left Prestonwood. I, I, <laughs> I would, I would bet Paul Chitwood did not want to just have that on the plane in his, in his bag. You think he's got mobile deposit up to a million dollars on his phone app? You I, know? I don't know, but they, yeah, definitely have to have to talk about that. Uh, so he, they, they did share. So John Brady was also there, the vice president for global engagement at IMB. And they did share the four ministry initiatives. It's going to fund some very specific things. Uh, it will be for training local believers as missionaries to the Persian world, developing local believers to take the gospel to a Muslim group. That is a group of 200 million people in South Asia, Supporting 5 million Nigerian Baptists to reach surging Islamic growth in Africa, and then training nurses in South and Southeast Asia to serve in hard-to-reach places. So some very specific initiatives that are out there that the IMB is doing. This is a huge, huge blessing, a great resource to go toward that. Very exciting. Yeah, it kind of kickstarts all of that that they're doing and and provides and undergirds those uh, the funding of those initiatives. So really exciting thing. I know Dr. Chitwood was very appreciative of that, and uh, we are as well of uh, Prestonwood Baptist Church for that gift. Up to Iowa, Amy, where the Baptist Convention of Iowa has committed an additional $1 million to discipleship, church planning, and mission. Yeah, so everybody is uh, everybody's coming through with one million dollars, Jonathan. I'll be looking to see if your one million dollar check ge- gets announced this. Still week. working on that. Got yeah. a couple zeros to work on on that one, and uh, yeah. you know, dots so, my eyes cross them. I'm just waiting for the one million dollar check to SBC this week. Yeah, let me know if that comes through. I'd like a. I would like an immediate or, phone or call, Olympics please. today with Jonathan and Amy. We'll, we'll right, take that funding right. for that in 2024. So, so they called it. Yes. So they've called it an expanded vision plan. This will begin on October 1st. Uh, there was a, a similar effort that started three years ago. Tim Labinus said what this will do is expand their gospel impact. And it really came from having a, kind of an overage. So they had a financial report. They said, we've got too much. And so we want to give more to some strategic Things. So they're going to give, they have an earmark of an additional $1 million over the next three years that'll go toward discipleship, church planting, and missional efforts. So they're going to, they're going to point this to some strategic ministries in the state. And that plan is going to focus on three specific tasks for Iowa Baptist, and that's to multiply disciples, multiply churches, and multiply mission. So uh, everything's going to be focused around those three things, and a really cool thing for the next three years from Iowa. So congratulations to Tim Labinus 
and all of our friends up there in Iowa. All right, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means? CP. I've got some good news, Amy. We were above budget once again this month with a total of $15.74 million, which is about $167,000 more than the budget of 15.57. So uh, a little bit over budget again this month, and that brings us to a grand total after 10 months. We only have two months left in the budget year, Amy, of $162 million. Uh, looks like we're going to hit budget and then some this year. We're about $6.3 million, or 4.06% over budget projections for the fiscal year. So amazing, amazing testimony to Southern Baptist faithfulness across the country. That's great news, especially, you know, coming at the end of the summer. So you never know exactly what the summer months are going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. So a great, great report there. And again, two months left this year. Looks like we will easily pass that $186 million budget gift for the year. All right, Amy, we talked about it, I think, either last week or the week before, but the Anaheim gathering of pastors out in California in a couple of weeks. There's some information about that. Not a lot to talk about. We've talked about it a little bit more, but there's an article in Baptist Press this past week about that pastor gathering in Anaheim on August the 17th. So if you're in the Anaheim area in Southern California or going to be out there for vacation, maybe you're going to Disneyland with a family and like, hey, while I'm here, might as well stop and uh, see this pastor's gathering for the annual meeting next year. I know there there may be some people doing that, Amy. Could be. But that's going to be at the convention center there in Anaheim, right next to Disneyland, on August the 17th. So if you're interested in that, details are in the show notes. Uh, a couple of notes here, Amy. We've talked about the recent report that came out after the uh, investigation into Ravi Zacharias International Ministries about covering up abuse. Uh, there was a class action lawsuit filed this past week about uh, about that and claiming that they had covered up abuse and misled donors. Yes, and I've really just gotten a chance to see this. This popped up on the news. Uh, th- this popped up, was it, I think, maybe even just today as we're recording yesterday. this? Yesterday, yeah. something like that. Um, so this is a complaint in the federal court for the North District of Georgia that is alleging that donors were told that their donations would be used to promote Christian evangelism, apologetic defense of Christianity, and humanitarian efforts. But what they're saying is essentially that when these allegations were coming, that they were covered up and saying that they failed to properly investigate the allegations, they allowed the abusive behavior to continue and essentially that the board failed to do their job is what is what this lawsuit is saying. Uh, so there's a full, you know, a full story there, the RNS story that is posted at Baptist Press that'll kind of give more details, but it's just sort of one more one more thing to to add to that story. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Also, uh, speaking of independent reviews, the members of the seven member task force that were named by President Ed Litton to oversee an independent third party review of the executive committee of the SBC and their handling of sexual abuse claims have released an update really asking for proposals from firms interested in conducting the review. So there's information about that and the scope of the independent review uh, from the task force. Uh, Bruce Frank, the chairman of that, released that this morning as we record this on Friday, August the 6th. Uh, But that was released this morning, and all the information on that is over at Baptist Press. If any organizations are interested in submitting a 
submitting a proposal that can be done via email. There's an email address there and the deadline for that is Thursday, August 12th. So that's next Thursday. So about a week for any organizations interested in that. Also included in the update were a a list of requests of the executive committee from the task force. Uh, Those are listed out there. I think there's four or five of those that are listed out in the article and the executive committee meets next month. September 20th and 21st, and is expected to evaluate those requests from the task force at that time. Some sad news, Amy, this week. Evangelist Wade Morris passed away Tuesday morning on August the 3rd at age 51 after a battle with COVID-19 and pneumonia. Man, this one was really tough. So I did not know Wade Morris. but I knew the name. That's about it. Right, but so many people that I know were just crushed over this. He really had an impact. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're moving into a season where people that we, that some of us know are beginning, you know, it's beginning to pop up and be more common that people know someone who has been dramatically affected by this. And this one seemed to really hit hard. And I know that we are reaching the point, I don't know about you, but there are more people that I know or have some connection with who are getting affected dramatically by what is going on. And so I'm just crushed for not just his family, but his church and all of those who that who were impacted by his ministry. Yeah. A lot of friends of the pod impacted by his ministry. We saw it a little social media this past week and a uh, very, very sad news and thoughts and prayers out to the family of Wade Morse. And uh, Amy, that is going to do it for our news this week. And that brings us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, we're going to go to 1976 to a very interesting series. I guess you could call it a series. I don't know if it, it wasn't really a sermon series. It was a, uh, it was an initiative of sorts that David Clapp, who was the minister of First Baptist Church in Fulton, Kentucky. He was, uh, I think, new to the church, hadn't been there long, and he, he wanted to know, it, said, it says he was tired of hearing excuses about why church members weren't coming to church on Sundays. He said that atten- attendance was down, and he needed to uh, he, he needed to do something to kind of spark folks to get back involved again. And so he did a 10-week contest designed to bolster attendance. They had the, the, the series was called No Excuse Sunday. So here's what they did. They had all kinds of things uh, that that happened. Um, and, and it, I think it kicked it off. So no excuse Sunday. They had all these giveaways. Those who had complained of spring fever were given a selection of tiny trees and flowers when they walked in. Eye drops are handed out for those who said they stayed up late on Saturday. And a television was there for those who didn't want to miss their favorite program. Uh, I think Dean and Sarah would like the eye drops one because it says if they'd stayed up too late on Saturday, what does Dean say? You know, Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. That's right. That's right. All right. They had cots for those who said Sunday was their only chance to sleep late. Says one man took him at his word, spread out in an aisle and slept through the whole service. Uh, that, that was 
That was bold. That was a really bold response there. Uh, blankets were provided for those who said church was too cold. Fans were supplied for those who said it was too hot. Dozens of TV dinners were supplied to those who complained they couldn't go to church and cook on the same day. And hey, for the ul- you, huh? for the ultimate excuse, <laughs> I know I I I'm not, I'm just going to ignore that what you just said. And and for the record, that's for not record, me. You, you, that's, that's not, not you, me. But I don't give that excuse for why I don't go to church on Sunday. I give that yeah, excuse for why I don't cook dinner. Sunday. I don't. Yes. That's yeah. I, I mean, it's an excuse, but it's for the other thing. It's for it why has we go out. Nothing to do with Sundays why, at all. It's for why we go out to eat. Anyway, the ultimate excuse that the roof might cave in if they ever went to church. Steel helmets were handed out at the door. That's a lot of Those work put into this. Yeah, uh, they said said that that day on No Excuse Sunday, attendance nearly doubled to six hundred, which was a record. And since then, the average had been about 100 more than the normal 300. So they ran about 300. They had about 600 that day. And then they ran about 400. He said he probably won't try it again because the impact wouldn't be the same. He said if you feed ice cream by the barrel, you get sick of it. So it was kind of a joke. So I understand that. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind trying it. Right, right. Yeah. Ice cream uh, oh, by yeah. the barrel. Ice cream by the barrel. Absolutely. So they had this big day. So they did all that stuff on one day, and then they had the 10-week contest. So they divided Sunday school classes into teams, the reds and the blues. The team scored. So this is, you know, this is 76. This is when Sunday school is kind of a big thing, and you've got people who are members of a Sunday school class. Hey, so Sunday school is a big thing every week for oh, me. Oh, I know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, in terms of a a, <laughs> a structured... Because yes. some churches yeah. even have more, they call still call them small groups, but they meet on Sunday mornings. This was when there was a structured, you go and enroll in a Sunday school oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. program, that kind of thing. So each team scored a certain number of points for bringing in delinquent members or new visitors. The team with the most points got to eat first at a church dinner at a potluck. The loser gets the leftovers. <laughs> this is a very thought out. Uh, program. He said, uh, it's part of the American way of life. People will compete at anything. Everybody needs motivation somewhat. Uh, but it was, I mean, he said, whether we like it or not, people get away from God and the church and these things become habit like anything else. So if you get, so if you can get people to come for four weeks in a row, they'll keep coming. So, you know, we're always doing things to try and connect with folks, uh, in hopes that they will, if they haven't been, to church in a while in hopes that they would return. And definitely that was, uh, that was a thing in 1976 in Fulton, Kentucky. They were talking about it, uh, with no excuse Sunday this week in SBC history. You know, you know that Fulton, Kentucky was once known as the banana capital of the world. Well, I'm disappointed that they didn't have something, uh, connected with bananas, but things you can learn from Google. I guess things you can learn from Google. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's a fascinating little exercise there. Um, yeah. That I I've seen a lot of things of pastors trying to get people to come to church and combat those issues. Don't think I've ever seen anything like that. That's pretty elaborate. A lot of props involved. So. Yeah. A lot of shame involved as well. 
Clearly, but I tell you, I mean, the one guy, the guy who came and said, I'm going to lay down. You said I could sleep here. I, I think I'm he was gonna just kind of like doing it kind of out of uh, sarcastic response, but got to be, got to be. Yeah. You would so, hope. Y- you would, you would hope. yeah, you would. Let's hope he came back the next week. All right. So. Okay. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? My resource of the week is a book that has been around for a long time. I was going to do something different, but I'm pushing off my uh, the one I was going to do until next week. Um, and so mine is called The Book of the Dun Cow, D-U-N. And it is a, it's a, it's a fiction book. Is that those book shaggy win- cows in Scotland? No. Um, it's oh. a fiction book, winner of the National Book Award. It was originally published in 1978. There is the link that I'll have in the show notes is a, is from a 2013 edition. It's definitely, it's a work of literature. It's definitely, um, kind of a parable of sorts, I guess. It really, I mean, some folks may not enjoy this type of fiction. It's a, it's kind of animals on a farm and their, their interaction with each other. But I, I read that book in like 11th grade, Amy. Which one? Animal Farm? Yeah, that'd be the one. <laughs> okay, not, not the book of the Dun Cow. Um, so it's essentially, it's a story of struggle between good and evil. So it's really, it's really incredible book. Walter Wongeren Jr was the author who wrote it. And as we're recording this on Friday, Walt Wongren died last night. So, or yesterday they oh, announced okay. it, they announced his death. Uh, I saw it late last night and then more people talking about it this morning. So Walt Wongren was a, a speaker. He was the speaker at the first, very first ever Hutchmoot. And then he came back and spoke at a later Hutchmoot. So I've heard him speak twice. The first time I heard him speak really, really impacted me a lot. Uh, there are things that I still remember. And then I read the book of the Dun Cow a few years later and it stayed with me uh, just in, in a, kind of a, a, an amazing way. So there are some other people, friends of the pod talking about it today, Scott James, um, Eric Shoemaker and, and others that were also, you know, really sad to hear about this, but uh, it just made me want to bring this up as my resource of the week. If you've not ever read anything by Walt Wongren, the book of the Dun Cow um, is definitely one that will stay with you. righty. Well, I've never heard of that book. I'm sorry. You should give it a try. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know what I did give a try this week, Amy? What? Is the new album from Need to Breathe. Oh, yeah. That is my resource of the week. Into the Mystery is the new album from Need to Breathe. South Carolina-based band. uh, Does a little kind of a mixture of Southern rock and Christian music. And a big Need to Breathe fan. So also opened for Taylor Swift one year and one of her tours. I think it was the Speak Now tour, I think, that they opened for her. It was when the Outsiders came out. They did a tour with Drew Holcomb and Ben Rector one year, and we went and saw That all seems of them. fitting. That yeah. seems like a better fit than whenever they opened for Taylor. Yeah, but it was, probably I, so. It was, I don't think it was the Fearless Tour. I think it was the um, Speak Now Tour that they opened up yeah. for her on. So, but well, yeah, cool. We, we enjoyed seeing New them. Album. and I, uh, Yeah, and I think I have I have a couple of their vinyl records but not of this one so yeah. i'll have to, I'll have to they're, they're fantastic one. so big yep. fans that need to breathe they're going to be here in bridgestone arena august or october the 29th so i might have to see if i'm in town for that one very this cool be fun to see them 
Yeah. That is if, uh, you know, everything gets better with the, uh, the COVID-19 stuff right now. So we'll see. So anyway, all right. Well, that's my resource of the week and yours as well. Okay, Amy, a little update from last week's episode. Since it's a new month, the new cookie of the month is classic peanut butter cookies. I need, I gotta, I gotta get over there. I just haven't yet, but I will. Yes. So we got it. I don't know if you saw this or not on Twitter. We got a little uh, mean tweet last week from official missionaries of the pod, the Hans in Ghana. I didn't see that. William Hahn was not happy that we were reading off the entire menu <laughs> of the bakery that he is literally half a world away from and can't get to. So that's tough. That's tough. I I'm mean, sorry, William. Yeah. Sorry, if we can ever get some down there to you, we will. Yeah, if, if anyone is uh, in Lizard Lick, North Carolina, is heading to Ghana anytime soon, swing down and grab some cookies for the Hans. They would appreciate it. Definitely. All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Again, thanks to Southwestern for sponsoring us. Go Team USA. And uh, also, go Sweet 31 Baking Company online. So, Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.